The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Bleaker, and Pocket Cast. However you listen, wherever and whenever you listen, thank you for tuning into the program tonight. And you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at all Andy Alfred. It is at All Andy Alfred and Facebook.com slash All Andy Alfred. The Lions lose to Skull. Skull. While the Browns are on a bye and get ready to head into Foxborough to battle Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. Guys, I hope we're healthy for this. Ohio State makes easy work of the Cats. While Michigan struggles in Happy Valley. A drop ball. Bowling Green loses their chips. And the momentum of the season. And... Toledo falls in Muncie, Indiana. Four out of six. That's the amount of points the Jackets have gotten in the last week in games. We'll talk about that. Major League Baseball is back in our show as the World Series sees former Tigers marquee the Fall Classic. Tonight is the tip-off. Of the NBA. We'll talk about how I feel about the Cavs and the Pistons. And. Who turned out the lights. All this and more. On this edition of All Andy Alfred. Guess who's back. All Andy Alfred. And a shot at a goal. 24 runs in the span of the Go, Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, I love you guys, and welcome into another edition of All Andy Alfred right here. On your exclusive home for me, the Anchor Network, and that is with the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever, whenever you're listening, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast tonight, as you can always be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at all Andy Elford, as well as on Facebook.com slash All Andy Elford. So welcome into the show tonight. Got a lot to get into, of course. We're going to recap the week with the Jackets report. Jackets picking up a big win last night in Scotia Arena in Toronto. We'll talk about the game because I got a chance to watch a lot of it. And uh, we'll talk about the walleye as well, as well as the Cyclones. And their, and their season in the ECHL is underway. We'll also dive into the World Series. Game 1 tonight 
in Houston. Game one will give you the full preview, and you'll hear my predictions as well as tonight is the tip-off of the start of the NBA season. Toronto will be raising the banner tonight and a battle in L.A. between the Lakers and Clippers on TNT. Cannot wait to see Shaq and and Charles and, and Ernie and all the crew at TNT coming back for this season. I heard there might be a Dwayne Wade appearance possibly for this. As, and we'll get dive into that, and you'll hear some of my thoughts on this upcoming season for both the Pistons and the Cavaliers. Also, we will dive into the college football spectrum. You'll hear the post-game comments from Scott Leffler from this past Saturday afternoon as they fell to the Central Michigan Chippewas, but at least we're not Toledo when being absolutely blown out by Ball State. We'll talk about that as well, as well as the full recap of college football. So welcome into the podcast tonight. I want to start first and foremost with the NFL since that is fresh in our minds still. And I tell you, we ain't going to win the division. Detroit is not winning the division now. It's plain and simple. And after today's trade, which we'll get to here in just a second, it makes sense now that Detroit is not going to make the postseason. And not even playing for the postseason. You can check it up as, uh, you know, this game, you know, doesn't really mean a lot because we, we, we lost to Green Bay. It does mean a lot. Because Minnesota is there. Minnesota has got some wins. And now their toughest part of their schedule is... Is is in front of them, and we could be honestly in front of the division if we didn't lose that Green Bay game and it's being absolutely screwed by the officiating. I love the fact that the Detroit fans came out and absolutely booed the officials the whole entire way. And I said it before; I said it last week on our pod, on the podcast. I'll say it again: this the NFL officiating is absolutely the worst officiating I have ever seen in all sports. In all of the big sports. Baseball, NBA, and NBA is saying a lot. Because that's crooked as crooked as a spine on a scoliosis patient. It's very, very crooked. Hockey is clean as ever. But NFL fishing has got to be the worst officiating in all sports. Because it has to be nitpicking calling every penalty out there and giving favoritism to certain teams. It it is the God honest truth. And I'm going to just say it. I'll say it right now. There is four teams in the NFL that get special treatment by the officials. Dallas is one. Green Bay is two. New England is three. You'll be surprised at the fourth one, New Orleans. Because of how New Orleans was absolutely screwed by the NFL on the play in the playoffs. Absolutely screwed. So, there's a little shock for you. There's a little shock for you. Those four teams get special treatment, in my opinion, when it comes to NFL officiating. Absolutely, they do. And it was more on display last week. With not this pet last week, but in week week seven, or excuse me, week six, 
when the Lions went to Green Bay. Call after call, the Lions got screwed. And it was always on third down, which gives them the automatic first down. But that that was last week. We get to this week. You move on. You chalk the loss up. It's a short week. You have six days to prepare for the Vikings. And I figured that Stafford and the Lions would come out strong, and they did. They came out strong, taking the early 14-7 lead on Minnesota before going to the break tied at 21. And then kicking was the key. Again, the Lions could not put a touchdown on the board. Could not put, excuse me, they put a touchdown on the board in the fourth quarter, but they couldn't convert on a two-point conversion. But Stafford is legit, though. This guy is absolutely legit. And he's going to go, for me, he's going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks in the game. One of the best. He will retire as a hol- in the Honolulu, in my, my opinion. The number nine Stafford number will be up on the Hall of Fame with, like, number 20 Barry Sanders and crew. But the Lions could not get the job done, giving up 21 points in the second half of the football game, could not capitalize late, and they lose to the Vikings 42-30 to this past Sunday at Ford Field. Great crowd on hand. I saw a lot of pictures. I've had some friends that are Minnesota Viking fans. They said that the fans treated them with respect. I was very happy about that. On the other side, for us, it wasn't a great game for us. I uh, Stafford had a tremendous game. But the rush was not there for us. Absolutely not there for us. When you only have 81 total yards of running, that tells you how good that defense is, that defensive line is. But looking at the stats going into the game from this past Sunday, Matthew Stafford, 30 for 45, 364, four touchdowns, one interception. His QBR rating was an 88.8. McKinsey, five carries, 29 yards, no TDs. Johnson, T. Johnson, Jerry Johnson, 10 carries, 29 yards. Kevin, John- Kevin Johnson, 5 carries, 23 yards in the game for the receiving. Danny Amendola, good game for him. 8 catches, 105 yards, no TDs. But the cold target was Marvin Jones Jr. He had 10 receptions for 93 yards. He scored all 4 touchdowns for the Lions in the game. Uh, Kenny Galladay was held to only 1 reception for 21 yards. They barely had him wrapped up most of that game. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson, three catches for 32 yards. For Minnesota, it was Kirk Cousins' day. He had a a tremendously great game. He was uh, 24 for 34, 337, four touchdowns, no interceptions in the game. Dalvin Cook, 25 carries, 142, two touchdowns in the game. Uh, Stephon Diggs, seven catches, 142 in reception yards. Uh, Kyle Rudolph, five catches, 58 yards, one TD in the game. Uh, Tiden, one catch, 25 yards, one TD in the game. Uh, Johnson, four catches, 40 yards, one TD in the game. Uh, Ham also with one catch, one TD in the game. His reception yards, a five, of five yards. Looking at the overall stats in this game, the Lions had 26 first downs to Minnesota's 32. 
On third down, Minnesota was 6 for 10. The Lions 6 for 11. They were 0 for 1 on fourth down. In total, the Vikings have 503 total yards of offense. The Lions 433. Through the air, the Lions had 352. And on the ground, 81. Of the 503 total yards for Minnesota, 337 through the air, 166 on the ground. Eight penalties, 67 yards for the Lions. Six penalties, 61 yards for the Vikings. The Lions turned over the football one time. Minnesota did not turn over the ball at all. They also led in possession with 32 minutes and 10 seconds. The Lions, 27 minutes and 50 seconds. So the Lions fall at Ford Field. They'll get back on the high horses upcoming week. They welcome in the New York football giants to Ford Field. And we're going to look at the schedule here before we get into the rest of the week's schedule of games. Because I want to talk about the schedule for the Lions. It sets up easy for the Lions in the long run. Next week we play the G-Men at Ford Field, 1 o'clock kickoff. Then we head to Oakland. To battle the Raiders. 405 kickoff for that one. And then we go to Soldier Field. One o'clock kick. That's gonna be a key game for the Lions. If no a not fully healthy Mitchell Trubisky, the Lions looking to get bounced back. They could have two wins underneath their belt with Oakland and the Giants. But we'll see. But then they welcome in Dallas. That's a loss. They go to Washington to battle the football club there. That's a win. The sets up Thanksgiving Day. In my house, it's going to be an interesting one because my cousin, of course, Nick the Money Man DeVera, good friend of ours, is a Bears fan. We talk about the Bears all the time, and we'll talk about the Bears here in just a second. They come into Ford Field to battle out against the Lions on, on Thanksgiving Day. Be a good game. Then they go to Minnesota. They come back home to play Tampa Bay, head out to Denver, and they end the season with Green Bay at Ford Field. It'll be interesting. It will be interesting to see how it's going to shape out for the Lions in the long run. But today, of course, like I mentioned before, the Lions didn't make a trade today as the Lions deal uh, a big key piece in their in their starting safety of Kwan Diggs. Uh, Quad Diggs is traded to the Seattle Seahawks for a fifth-round 2020 pick. The Lions also send a 2021 seventh-round pick as well, too. Diggs has been a starter for the Lions since 2017 as a slot quarterback and safety. And over the past two seasons, he has become one of Detroit's most reliable players in the secondary with cornerback Darius Slayo. What I'm hearing all of the locker rooms... So a lot of players are shocked by this trade. A lot of moves. Uh, but the Lions dealing digs for a fifth-round pick. You know, you, you go, you bid in for the future, and I can understand that, but I, I, I just don't see how this is going to work. I, I really don't know how this is going to work. That opens up the secondary a lot more, and I hope that we have, I don't know, I haven't checked the depth chart as of late. And, of course, we will have more about that as the weeks to come right here on All Andy Alford. But we shall see. Like I said, 
Diggs being traded to Seattle this this Tuesday, the the twenty second of October. As you're listening to all of the offer tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now let's uh, let's dive on into the the week seven of this the NFL schedule slate. Looking at the Week 7 schedule and the recap, this is what it looks like. It started off this past Thursday, the 17th of October, with Denver hosting Kansas City. The Chiefs coming out strong and beating up on the Denver Broncos by a score of 30-6. to And this was also a game that saw a big shock, of course, uh, with, no, with Patrick Mahomes hurting his knee. Uh... As he was trying to go for a QB sneak, he goes down with a knee injury, which is an absolute shock by me. But but Mahomes, again, a good game for him. Looking at his final stats, he was 10 for 19 for 117, one TD in the game. Uh, 10 for 11, 76 yards, one TD in the game. Uh, Moore comes in to relieve him. He was 10 for 19 for 117 and 1 TD in the game. Joe Flacco struggled 21 for 34, 213, no TDs in the game. The rest of the Week 7 looked like this. The Rams go into Atlanta, and Atlanta's in trouble, folks. Atlanta is a dumpster fire, and I can't believe I picked them as my Super Bowl team this year. The Rams beat up on the Falcons 37 to 10. Bills Mafia is going to be happy about this one with a win 31-21 over the Miami Dolphins. Jacksonville a win with Gardner Minshew 27-17 over the Bungles after an impressive win on Monday Night Football. Green Bay hosted John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders and Aaron Rodgers was absolutely stellar. Six touchdown passes in the game. He was at a 98.6% quarterback rating in the game as the Green Bay Packers beat the Oakland Raiders 42-24. Indianapolis was a winner 30-23 over the Houston Texans. The G-Men fall to Arizona at at the Meadowlands 27-21 in a sloppy game, a sloppy, sloppy game in Washington as the Tropical uh, Depression Nestor went up the East Coast. It was the the Washington Football Club losing to Jimmy G and the San Francisco 49ers 9 to nothing. Tennessee was a winner 23 to 20 over the LA Chargers. Dot Bears fall to the New Orleans Saints by a score of 36 to 25. The Baltimore Ravens go into Seattle and beat the Seahawks by a score of 30 to 16, an unbelievable game. Lamar Jackson is for real, folks. I think they're actually not going to win the division. I have that feeling they're going to win the division now. And the Sunday night game saw the Dallas Cowboys thumping the fly, Eagles fly, 37 to 10. In this game on Sunday night football, got a chance to watch this from start to finish. In the game itself, it was 
Prescott, 21 for 27. He was with the 239, one touchdown, one interception of the game. Ezekiel Elliott, 22 carries for 111 yards. He had one TD in the game. His go-to was uh, was Amari Cooper, who had five receptions for 106 yards. Carson Wentz, 16 for 26, 191, one touchdown, one interception. His QBR was a 29.3. Hard to beat that one for you, but the 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 boys get the job done over the Eagles, 37 to 10. And last night, Monday Night Football. It was all Patriots as they beat Sam Darnold, who is seeing ghosts apparently out there on the field as the Patriots thump the Jets, ground the Jets, and shut them out by a score of 33 to nothing in the game. So week seven looks like, week seven looked like that. We go now into week eight of this college, of this NFL season. We'll start on Thursday night as the Washington Football Club's heads into Minnesota. The Dallas out against the Minnesota Vikings. A short week for the Vikings. The Vikings are favored by 16 points as we speak right now. 8:20 kickoff on Fox. I will definitely take the Vikings in that game. As you're listening to All in the Offer tonight, right here on Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And now, let's continue to talk about the gridiron. And now let's talk a little college ball and Ohio State thumping the Cats. But before we get to Ohio State beating Northwestern this past Friday night, we're going to dive in to Mid-American Conference. And we'll start first and foremost with the team out of Wood County, and that is, of course, the Bowling Green State University Falcons. BGSU coming off of the monumental win, beating Toledo by the score of 20 to 7. First time I'll say that tonight. They beat them 20 to 7 in the game. They welcomed in Central Michigan into Doit L. Perry Stadium as Western Michigan, it's not Western Michigan, but Central Michigan, the Chippewas out of Mount Pleasant, Michigan, coming into the game with a 4 and 3 record overall. Got a chance to watch this game from start to finish, and I mean it was a dogfight for the first first quarter of the game. First quarter of the game was absolutely a dogfight, and it was in favor of Bowling Green, in my opinion, getting out to the early seven to nothing lead. But the the big play was the big play was by Biggers from Bowling Green. Having the awareness to pick up the football, pick up the football after the quarterback goes, tries to run in for a QB stick, the football falls short, falls into the end zone. Kalen Biggers picks it up and runs it 100 yards. The first ever, first this season, we've had two in the last two seasons, this year and last year. Over 100-yard touchdown returns for 100 yards. And it was 7-7 seven to seven going into the second half of the game. Central Michigan turned on the heat. Two touchdowns in the second half, second quarter of the game. Big key plays. Bowling Green got the football to start the second half. Uh, Grant Lloyd, a great carry into the end zone to score the touchdown. 
that was pretty much it after that. Two field goals in the fourth quarter, but Central Michigan turned on the heat, kicked it up a notch, and beats Bowling Green after the monumental win against Toledo 20-7. They fall to Central Michigan this past Saturday by a score of 38-20. to So looking at the box score overall, Grant Lloyd, 13 for 29, 166. He had one touchdown, and he had three interceptions in the game. You cannot have that happen. After a week of what you've had, the team was built up. The energy has been absolutely buzzing on campus after the UT win. And you go out and you throw three interceptions in the game. You just can't do that. You really can't do that. And they struggled in this game. Lloyd was the leading carrier in this game. He had 18 carries for 67 yards. He had the one touchdown in the game. Dantley, and sorry to say this, I think Dantley is done for the season. He went down in the first quarter of the game with uh, with a leg injury. 11 carries, 67 yards in total. No, excuse me, that was not Dantley. It was Marlowe, five carries, 39 yards. He had a good carry in the second play from possession in the first in the in the first quarter. He goes down with an injury. He had to go off of the cart, and he is done. He is done for the done for the season. Wait a minute. It was Jones. Excuse me. It was Jones. They're one of their receivers. He was he was the guy. He was the guy that went down. So now Bowling Green's down to one running back. Unbelievable. Absolutely. I want to thank the guys over there at the stats who are giving me the information about that. So Jones goes down with the injury. He had one carry for six yards. He is done for the season, it sounds like. Quentin Moore's four receptions, 69 yards. Dantley had three catches, 48 yards, one TD in the game. Bowling Green. Uh, uh, Ortega Jones, two catches, seven yards in the game. For Central Michigan, for Central Michigan in the game, it was Dormady had 22 carries for 36 yards. Uh, 22 for 36, my apologies. For 295, one touchdown, one interception in the game. He also had the one fumble, of course, like I mentioned before. But wore 21 carries, 130 yards in total. Three touchdowns in the game. He had the hat trick in the game with three running in touchdowns from great distance. Uh, Lewis, 15 carries for 125 yards, one TD in the game. Sullivan, eight catches, 126 yards, one TD in the game. Uh, Pimpleton, four catches, 52 yards. Lewis also had two catches for 16 yards. The overall stats look like this for Bowling Green's game against Central Michigan. On first downs, Central Michigan had 26 first downs. The Brown and Oranges, 19 on third down. This was a shock to me. They were Bowling Green was one for eleven, and they were two for five on fourth down. When your fourth down possessions is better than your third down, this is a lot. Central Michigan was eight for fourteen on third down, zero for one on fourth down. Bowling Green had three hundred and forty-four total yards of offense. 166 through the air, 178 on the ground. For Central Michigan, they have 553 yards of total offense, 299 through the air, 254 on the ground. 
12 penalties, 83 yards for Bowling Green. You cannot have that happen after a week where you were just clean. You were absolutely clean. Central Michigan, 10 penalties for 79 yards. The Falcons had the three interceptions, so three turnovers in the game. Two interceptions for Central Michigan, one fumble, and one interception. On the possession arrow, went towards Central Michigan. They had 35 minutes and 25 seconds. Bowling Green, 24 minutes and 35 seconds. So, as always, right here on All Andy Alford, we play you the post-game comments from Coach Scott Leffler. And uh, Scott had some choice, interesting things to say in the post-game comments. And uh, he talks about how how he feels about his freshmen and so much of the recap. So here it is for you, the post-game from this past Saturday against Central Michigan, courtesy of the YouTube channel from Bowling Green's Athletic Department. Here it is, the head coach of our Bowling Green State University Falcons. This is Scott Luffler. Down seven, and uh, we didn't make the play. And after that, the game got out of hand. And um, disappointed. Um, Disappointed in uh, performance all the way around the board this week. When you say this week, are you referring to the days leading up to this game as well? Oh, I'm sorry, disappointed in today's game. There were some things that we did better this week in practice, still not to the uh, uh, magnitude of what needs to be done. Uh, when they're missing uh, t- opportunities the way that we're missing them, POAs and not tackling well, that's a direct reflection of what you're doing during the week. So it was better, trust me, much better, like light years ahead of where we've been. But to win games in college football, the way that everyone's equal, your mentality Monday through Friday better be on fire. And it's a fight right now, and it's something that we need to get solved. It's normally the hardest thing that you got to overcome, and uh, it'll get there. It'll get there, just like uh, what happened last week. It'll, it'll, it'll turn, but it's going to take a, a group of people to turn it. So um, that's what we got to do. That's exactly where we're at, though. When you're POA, missed tackles, and having walk-in explosion plays and not making those plays, um, when you're 50% in practice, what, what do you expect? What do you expect? I mean, that's my message. When you're 50% in practice, what do you think? What's going to happen on Saturday? It's just going to happen. So that's where we need to go. We're all the self inflicted stuff. You got the ball down two scores in uh, the third quarter. Was there anything that you guys just weren't able to establish offensively today? Just not to be able to squeeze enough out? Yeah, we, just like I said, there was multiple. Uh, way more than last week. We had, we had a handful last week of opportunities. This week we had multiple. And, uh, just didn't make the plays. Plain and simple. We didn't. Uh, we didn't win the daily double. We, they won the turnover battle. They won the explosion battle, and it's a wrap when that occurs. After the step that you took last week, do you feel like you guys took a step back or stayed even? Where do you feel like? I thought we practiced a little better, a little bit more intensity. I thought uh, it was better, but still, just like I said, whenever you're 50-50 of making your plays in practice, what do you think is going to happen on game day? You're going to be 50-50 whenever game day occurs. So um, that's the next step that we have. We have to become competitive. We have to have competitive excellence Monday through Friday, period end. It just does not happen. It's just doesn't. The football gods aren't with you. you gotta, you got to make sure that that work's being done throughout the week and it's done right. And uh, just like I said, 
whenever you're 50% in practice, what do you think is going to happen on Saturday? It looks like you were talking about on the right hash. I think it was the missed throw that Quentin was fouled in front of the end zone. There were a couple other missed throws, and obviously on the other side of the ball, there's so many missed tackles, turning mm-hmm. short gains and the long gains. And so what flipped for you guys from last week to this week where it looked like you were moving in the right direction? Yeah, we tackled last week. Uh, we made those plays when the plays presented themselves. Um, and we didn't turn over the ball. So it's not, it's not a complicated game. Tackle really well. Run the football. Stop the run. Uh, force explosion plays on offense. Stop explosion plays. And we did nothing today. Did nothing. In the, and our plan to win today, uh, we did not follow it on, on all three phases, in my opinion. Yeah, we we lost up front today. Uh, we played uh, the one thing that we said uh, was that their offensive line was very physical. Uh, we thought the the front seven of uh, Central Michigan's uh, defense was very physical, and uh, uh, that was going to be our challenge all day long. I, I don't think there was a lack of uh, of try and want and all that other stuff, but uh, uh, we didn't. Uh, we didn't tackle well, and uh, we didn't make plays when plays presented themselves, and got to do it during the week. I, I, don't, I don't know much more to say about that, but that's the truth. That's what's got to happen, and um, it will happen. I promise it will happen. It's just uh, um, it's, it's something that's a very difficult sell whenever you've been around people that haven't been around it. Grand struggles today, Coach. Was that something that you think Central was doing as far as scheme? Or- not at all. They didn't do one thing different. There was not one. Uh, actually, they were they were more vanilla than they have ever been. So it was not a. It's nothing that we walked in and go, okay, we gotta we gotta regain plan, we gotta change, we gotta adapt and adjust. That that was not the case at all. No. The offense never really got to a rhythm. How much of that was? Yeah, that wasn't easy. Whenever, uh, whenever you got three running backs uh, on scholarship right now, that's not fun. And two of them were out. So um, it was. Uh, we had to be creative. That was the adapting and adjusting. It was more towards our personnel than what they gave us. Um, but it is what it is. People are going to get hurt. Um, that's not an excuse whatsoever. And, uh, we'll never use that as an excuse. Injuries are never excuses. Uh, we just didn't get it done. Period. End. Didn't get it done. It might not be an excuse, but it's something you guys have to address. Mm-hmm. How do you get over that one? I mean, you guys have a true freshman walk on who's getting the rotation done. Yeah, very true. What do you want me to do? Create a new running back? So we got to go recruit really, really well. So I'm not going to just create a running back and it's just going to happen, you know? So we got to recruit. And we've got to get our numbers right in all aspects. So whenever you do have an injury, you can never use it. But we're never going to use it. Even our situation that we're in right now, we're never using that as an excuse. Our, our, our redshirt, uh, our, uh, our walk-on running back is going to go in there and he's going to do a di- damn good job. We're never using that as an excuse. But yes, do we need to recruit and get our numbers right? You're darn right, we do. But it is what it is. As you set the standard here and you help the guys reach your standard, do you feel like each week they're taking a step to get to the standard that you want them to be at? Where we started, that's just, we're, we're on track, believe it or not. We're not having the results, 
But where we started and, and where we are now, we're nowhere near where, where, where we want to be in a standard of championship um, uh, excellence. We're not. We're not. But where we started and where we're going, we're, we're going we're gonna to get there. And uh, it's painful at times. It's frustrating at times. It's frustrating for them at times. Can you imagine every single day coming to practice and going, you better go hard. You better do this. You better do that. That's how it's supposed to be done. That gets old. But that's the truth, though. That's what's got to occur. It's got to. There's got to be a switch, and there's got to be a group of guys that go, holy smokes, this is what it takes to win. And that's anywhere. That's from Alabama to Michigan to Ohio State. It does not matter. That's what it looks like. That's what it tastes like. And when you do get it that way, it just gives you a chance. But when you don't, it's a 50-50. It's like spinning a bottle and hoping that it, that it, that it goes the right way. So that's what needs to occur. So you can teach coaches. It's absolutely trained. And uh, whenever you, uh, whenever you're around a program that has done it day in and day out, it's easy because the freshmen come right in the door and they go, "That's what it's supposed to look like." There was a reason when I was at the University of Michigan that it went NFL guy after 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 NFL guy, and it wasn't because of the coaching. It's because you got to watch exactly how business is done at a very high level, and that was the standard. So whenever you don't have that, and you're walking in there, you got men, <laughs> coaches that are the only people that seen it. And it's getting that group of people to buy into that, and, and it's the hardest thing. And we're going to get over it. And trust me, it'll happen. But uh, it's uh, any type that uh, time that I was in a rebuild place on offense, in particular, it's this is the this is the biggest battle. And once you get that right, you got you got it, you're going to have a chance every Saturday. You'll have a chance every Saturday. Are there any guys on the cusp right now? Yeah, there's a bunch of guys on the cusp, but it's. You know, there's it's day in and day out. It's just not on Monday and let's take Tuesday and then figure it out on Wednesday. It is a wake up. Um, you're playing for the MAC championship type mentality, and that's I mean, my goodness gracious, when I went to the watch New England, OTA number four, you would have thought they were playing in the AFC championship game, and I'm not even exaggerating. I mean, it was remarkable, but that, that's why they win. That's why Alabama wins. I mean, it's get a bunch of good players, coach them really hard, make them practice like it's the game all week long, and then you have a shot. And you got a chance. And that's where we're going to go. With the missed tackles on defense, was that something to do with the Central Michigan playmakers? Or just how did that change from last week where you guys were? We just didn't tackle. We just didn't tackle well. We tackled well last week, and we fundamentally didn't tackle well. It was nothing earth shattering. They were in stretch play, they ran inside zone, and. Um, we didn't tackle in the back end well. We just didn't tackle, and uh, it's fundamentals. So there was nothing like where you went that was earth shattering. We just didn't tackle well. Did you guys get it up to that? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure where he's at. So you just heard Scott Leffler, his post game comments after the Central Michigan loss. They missed so many tackles. I, I, I forgot to mention that earlier on in the recap. And he, he drove the point home. You cannot have so many missed tackles. It, 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 they looked so dominant last week as they beat Toledo 20-7. to And then they honestly flipped course and get beat by Central Michigan. Now the West opponents keep coming for Bowling Green. They'll head up to 
Kalamazoo to battle Western Michigan this upcoming weekend before they start going into going back into East play. And that's key. They are on the cusp of 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 doing great things. They are like like Scott said, they are on the verge of making things happen. It's just training the mindset and training to be better. And that's just the key. That's just the key. He said it in the post game. That's what it's supposed to look like. Like what Michigan and like Alabama and hell, even like what New England does. Strong. Powerful playing. And hopefully they can turn it around. And it starts next Saturday. This upcoming Saturday. Against Western Michigan. As you're listening to All in the Yell for tonight right here. On the Anchor Network. Whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. However you're listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's recap the full week of college football. So looking at the top 25 Matchups from this past week in week eight of the college football spectrum. It was the third ranked Clemson Tigers going into Louisville and beating up on the Cardinals 45 to 10 in Norman. Besides the cart and the wagon falling over and hurting the two companions, they say it was um, counterbalance, counterweight that caused the cart a boomer sooner to fall over didn't really matter in the game wise because Oklahoma rolls past the Mountaineers of West Virginia and no country Rose won't be playing that on this past Saturday as Oklahoma with a big 52 to 14 win for the West West Virginia Mountaineers it was Florida beating up on the Gamecocks 38 to 27 Auburn 11th ranked in the country beats Arkansas 51 to 10 Second-rank LSU, a big win in Mississippi State by a score of 36-13. How about Washington giving a run against the Oregon Ducks, getting it, making it being a close game. It was a 3-30 kickoff, but a noon kickoff out in Seattle. But in the end, Oregon prevailing, beating the Huskies by a score of 35-31. SMU, a big win, 45-21 over the over the Temple Owls. It was 21st ranked Cincinnati, the Bearcats of Terran Brands. Cincinnati Bearcats, a big win, 24-13 over Tulsa. Appalachian State, 24th ranked in the country, beats Louisiana Monroe by a score of 52-7. Baylor, a big 45-27 win over Oklahoma State. Vanderbilt upsets 22nd ranked Missouri by a score of 21-14 in the hedges of Georgia in the pouring rain as the tropical depression went through Athens. It was all Bulldogs in the game by a score of 21 to nothing. Arizona State falls to the Utah by a score of 21 to 3. Texas a big 50 to 48 win over over Kansas. And it was also the Alabama Crimson Tide Roll Tide. Baba the big 35 to 13 win over Tennessee. And Tennessee gave them a good run in the game, and I'm surprised at how close it was. Alabama with a 35 to 13 win over Tennessee, but the upset, of course, there's a few upsets 
One of them, 14th ranked Boise State, falls to the BYU Cougars by a score of 28 to 25, and it helps out Toledo's resume. BYU could beat Boise State. So let's take a look a little bit more in depth, and let's take a look at the Big Ten. We'll start before we got to Saturday. We had a game Friday night as Ohio State went in to Northwestern, the Battle of the Wildcats, and it wasn't even close of a football game, folks. Not even close. Fourth-ranked Ohio State headed into Wisconsin in the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. And Justin Fields throws four touchdown passes in the game as Ohio State cruises past the Wildcats by a score of 52-3. to Looking at the overall stats in the game for Ohio State, Fields 18 for 23, 194, four touchdowns in the game. His QBR rating was a 91.6. J.K. Dobbins 18 carries for 121 yards, one TD in the game. Uh, Olav, five catches, 60 yards, two TDs in the game. Mack, four catches, 50 yards, one TD in the game. J.K. Dobbins also caught the ball three times for 30 yards, one TD in the game. Ford Northwestern Smith was the leading, was their quarterback. He was pathetic. Six for 20 for 42 yards in total. No touchdowns, one interception in the game. Marty also came in for play. He had one, he was 0 for 1 with one interception in the game. Uh, Bowser was the running back for Northwestern. 16 carries for 65 yards, no TDs in the game. Anderson, 13 carries, 39 yards, no TDs in the game. And the receiving core, Lees, 3 catches, 19 yards, no TDs in the game. Looking at the overall stats in the game, Ohio State had 22 first downs to Northwestern's 14 on third down. Ohio State, 8 for 14. Northwestern, 5 for 18. And on fourth down, Northwestern was 0 for 3. 42 yards. That's the amount of passing yards Northwestern had in the game of their 199 total yards off offense. 157 through the air, 157 through the ground, my apologies. For Ohio State, they have 480 total yards of offense, 201 through the air, 279 on the ground. Eight penalties, 76 yards for Northwestern, five penalties, 58 yards for Ohio State. Two turnovers in the game, and they were both interceptions for Northwestern. Northwestern did leave the time of possession. They had 32 minutes and 22 seconds of football, but Ohio State still led the front at 27 and 27 minutes and 38 seconds. Ohio State, a big win against Northwestern. They get ready for week eight. This is not week eight, but week nine of the college football spectrum as they get ready for Wisconsin. We'll get to Wisconsin's game against Illinois because it was an upset, folks. Lovey Smith and his fighting Illini. I L L I L S Illini. A big win, a game-winning field goal as time expires, and six-ranked Wisconsin gets their first loss of the season. Against the Illini, 24-23. to 
Other Big Ten scores, Iowa was a winner 26-20 over Purdue. Minnesota, 20th ranked in the country, beats Rutgers 42-7. Indiana was a winner 34-28. And then we get to Saturday night's game of the week, the whiteout in Penn State. As Penn State welcome noseboy Jim Harbaugh, Shane Patterson, and the Michigan Wolverines. And Sean Clifford came out strong in the game for Penn State. Strong throw. Three touchdown passes. He also ran in for another score. As Penn State beats Michigan. Giving Michigan their second loss of the season. And I'm telling you, Michigan fans, it just does not get easier for you guys. It just doesn't. By a score of 28-21. to 21. And Michigan, I got to The thing is, it is not what I'm hearing is a morale victory. Because you guys hung in there with Penn State. I mean, at one time, you guys were down 21-7. to you guys scored two touchdowns in the in the second half of the game, but Penn State still controlled the game. Absolutely controlled the game. Clifford for Penn State, 14 of 25, 182, three touchdowns. No interceptions in the game. My apologies. Saying three carries, 48 yards. Clifford ran the ball 11 for. 11 carries for 17 yards, one TD in the game. Uh, Hamler, six catches, 108 yards, two touchdowns in the game. Furmuth, three catches, 28 yards, one TD in the game. Dotson, one catch, 37 yards. For Shane Patterson, he was 24 for 41, 276, no touchdowns, one interception in the game. Charlotte Levette, 15 carries, 81 yards, two TDs in the game. Patterson did run the football. For 12 carries for 34 yards, one TD in the game. Nico Collins, six catches, 89 yards. Uh, Bell, four catches, 71 yards. Donovan Peoples-Jones, five catches, 46 yards in the game for Michigan. Overall stats look like this. Michigan had 26 first downs to Penn State's 14 on third down. Michigan was 7 for 17. Penn State, 4 for 13. Michigan was 2 for 4. On fourth down, as Penn State did not go for it on fourth down. Total yards. Oh, Michigan had 417 total yards in the game. 276 through the air. 141 on the ground. And they lost the football game. Unbelievable. Penn State, 283 total yards. 182 through the air. 1 over 1 on the ground. 8 penalties. 48 yards for Michigan. 5 penalties. 58 yards for Penn State, the the interception that Patterson threw cost them the game. Uh, one interception, no interception for Penn State. The possession arrow went to Michigan at 37 minutes and 45 seconds. Penn State 22-15. So it doesn't, like I said, doesn't get easier for Michigan after this game here tonight. After this game on Saturday night. It just doesn't get any easier. After Penn State, they have host this upcoming week another primetime game as they take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. The Irish, 5-1, Michigan, 5-2, 7-30 kickoff in the big house. Got to give it Got to give it its credit. Notre Dame is going to be ready for this game because they are 
coming off of a bye. It does get a little easier the following week. They go to Maryland, a noon kickoff for that, but then they come back home to play Michigan State. And then they go on the road to play Indiana, and then they come back home, and it's Ohio State week. Three, four, five losses. I could see it. A 7-5 record, maybe. It just doesn't get any easier for Michigan. That's the Big Ten for you. Looking at the Mid-American Conference from last week, week 8 of the schedule. Besides Bowling Green falling to Central Michigan by a score of 38-20. to Kent State falls to Ohio by a score of 45-38. to NIU loses to Miami of Ohio by a score of 27 to 24. Buffalo blanks the Zips 21 to nothing. And Eastern Michigan gets the better of Western Michigan by a score of 34 to 27. And then we get to the game that happened in Muncie, Indiana. It was the Ball State Fighting Football Cardinals, Fighting Football Cardinals of David Letterman's alma mater. Ball State taking on taking on the University of Toledo. And Drew Pilton throws three touchdowns in the game, and Toledo cannot get anything going. It was a blowout by halftime. It really was. It was 38 to nothing at halftime in favor of Ball State. Toledo scores two touchdowns in the second half, but it was just not enough. As Ball State destroys the University of Toledo by a score of 52 to 14. Now they have the driver's seat in the Mac West. It was not a good game for the University of Toledo. And there's there's no one to blame for in this game. But the way that they played. Bradley was your was Toledo's quarterback. He was 14 for 34, 137, no touchdowns, one interception. Kovac 13 carries for 38 yards. Jones was the leading carrier. He had 8 carries for 72 yards. And all 2 touchdowns were all his. Kovacs. Kovacs uh, was 3 catches for 53 yards. Phillips, 3 catches, 46 yards. Newton, one catch, 21 yards. Pittman, third, 11 for 17, 206. Three touchdowns, one interception in the game for Ball State. Huntley was the leading ball carrier for Ball State. He had 20 carries for 119 yards. Dunner, two carries, 90 yards, two TDs. Fletcher had 11 carries for 68 yards, one TD in the game. Hall, four, catch, four carries, 22 yards, one TD in the game. Miller, four catches, 87 yards, two TDs. Hall, four catches, 73 yards, one TD in the game. Here is the stats for this one. This is a big note to pass lock here. Toledo had 16 first downs to Ball State's 24. On third down, Toledo was four for 18. Can't get it done. Ball State was running at 50% for six for 12. Ball State was a perfect 2-for-2 two two on 4th down. Toledo 3-for-5 on 4th down. Toledo had 309 total yards of offense. Ball State 580 total yards of offense. 
206 of that 580 was through the air. 374 on the ground. Of the 309 yards for Toledo, 171 through the air. 138 on the ground. Five penalties, 28 yards for Toledo. Five penalties, 60 yards for Ball State. Three turnovers a game, two fumbles, and one interception for the University of Toledo. The one interception from Ball State. Ball State led in time of possession, 30 minutes and 40 seconds, to Toledo's 29 minutes and 20 seconds. So Toledo now 4-3 and three overall. They now welcoming Eastern Michigan at home at the Glass Bowl this upcoming Saturday. Be a big game. It will be an absolutely a big game for for the Mac West. It really is for the Mac West. Looking at the standings going into this week's play, Week Nine in the Mid American Conference, I got to look at it before we get into the top twenty-five. And this is what it looks like: Ohio is in the East. They're two and one, three and four overall. Kent State two and one in conference play, three and four overall. Uh, Miami, Ohio, two and one, three and four overall. Bowling Green, one and two in conference play, two and five overall. Buffalo, one and two, three and four overall. And Akron is zero and three in conference play, zero and seven overall. And the MAC West Ball State, like I said, leading the the way in the conference play at three and zero. Four and three overall. Central Michigan three and one with their win over Bowling Green. They're five and three overall. Uh, Western Michigan two and two in conference play. Four and four overall. Eastern Michigan one and two. Four and three overall. Toledo one and two. Four and three overall. And NIU one and two overall. Two and five in conference play. So that's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes up. Towards the end of the conference place, we hit basically hitting almost to the halfway point, to the final quarter pull point of this college football season. As Bowling Green now gets ready for the final three game, final four games of the season, excuse me, final five games of the season. As if you look at it. Like we said before, the quarter mark is this. They were 1-2 and two overall in the first quarter of the game season. They were 1-2 and two overall in the second quarter. And they're starting 0-1 the starting of the third quarter. They have Central, Western, and then they're home to Akron. It'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out in the end. Top 25 in college football looks like this. Number one is Alabama. Number two is LSU. Ohio State now moves to three. That tells you something there. Clemson is four. Oklahoma's five. Penn State now goes up a spot to six. Florida is now seven. Notre Dame stays at eight. Auburn is nine. Georgia is ten. Oregon is 11. Utah is 12. Wisconsin falls seven spots to 13. Baylor now is 14, moving up four spots. Texas is 15. SMU moves up three spots to 16. Minnesota moves up three spots to 17. The Bearcats of Cincinnati fall go up to 18th. They move up three spots. Michigan falls three spots to 19. Iowa moves up three spots to 20. Appalachia State goes to 21st. Boise State with the biggest drop 
They drop eight spots to 22nd in the country. Iowa State is now 23rd. 24th is Arizona State. They fall seven spots. And Wake Forest is top in the top 25. Uh, one game to get along, of course, it is SMU taking on, on Thursday, taking on Houston. SMU 16th ranked in the country. I'll take the Mustangs to beat Houston, the Cougars. As you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And now it's time for the Jackets Report. It's time to fire the cannon. And it's time to put on your jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. So the Jackets get four out of the possible six points this past week. As we are now into the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. The Jackets getting a big win last night in Scotiabank Arena, beating the Leafs. But before we get into that, of course, let's recap. The week that was for the Jackets, as it all started off last Wednesday, actually. Actually, they got two, four, five, six out of possible eight points, so it's a lot better than the intro. The Jackets did come out with a big 3-2 win over the Dallas Stars this past Wednesday night at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard. The Jackets started off the scoring with Zach Wierenski, his second goal of the season from Gustav Nyquist and Seth Jones. It was 1-0 Jackets before then Alexander Wenberg. This kid has given me fits all year long in all of his career, and he gets a goal unassisted his first of the season, and the Jackets are up 2-0 for before the Dallas Stars, Haskinen getting his second for the season for Ferdun and Radiloff. And it was 2-1 Jackets after 20 minutes of play. Nobody scoring in the second period, but then it's always Sonny in Columbus himself. Sonny Milano getting his first of the season from Lilia and Riley Nash. A wrist shot beating the goaltender of the Dallas Stars and Ben Bishop. And it was it was a Three to one jacket lead before Joe Pavelski getting his first of the season to cut the deficit to one from Sagan and Rattleoff, but that was not enough. The Jackets getting a big three-two win and fire the cannon. The Jackets get the win at Nationwide Arena as the number one star was Jonas Corposalo. The number two star was Alexander Wenberg. The number three star was Sonny Milano. In the game overall, the Jackets had 35 shots on net to Dallas is 32. At the faceoff dot, Dallas led in the faceoff dot 53% to 47%. Both teams over on the power play. The Jackets have four minutes of penalties. Dallas six minutes in penalties. They out hit the Stars 22 to 19. They also blocked more shots 14 to 13 overall. In the game, the for Jonas Corposal, he stopped 30 of 32. His save percentage of a point. 938 Ben Bishop stopping 32 of 35 his state percentage of a point nine one 
four. So the Jackets getting a big win against the Dallas Stars. They then head to the Madhouse on Madison. And I'll tell you, this game was a pretty good game for the Jackets. They started off not that great, though. I'll, I'll say that. Debrinkit gets the assist from Dekula's first goal as a Blackhawk from Dehan. It was one nothing Hawks after 20 minutes of play, as it was Albert Merlinskis getting the start in the game, his second start of the season. And then in the second period, it was Pierre-Luc Dubois, his third of the season, beating beating Blackhawks goaltender Ryan Liner, giving the Jackets a tie game at the break of the second period. His assist was from Atkinson and Gustav Nyquist at the 5.33 mark of the second period. The Jackets did get back on the board. Marcus Nudavara in the third period, making it a 2-1 game unassisted, beating Liner. But then Alex Dabrinkit, again, tying the game at 2 from Patrick Kane and Gustafson on the power play, 8-08 of the third period. And then in overtime, number 19, Jonathan Taves beats Merlinsis. On a breakaway, 46 seconds into overtime on a deflected shot. The Jackets fall at the Madhouse on Madison by a score of 3-2. Taves, the number one tar- star. Debrinkit, the number two star. And Robin Liner, the number three star. The Jackets outshot the the Hawks 39-33 to in the game. Uh, 51% on the faceoff dot was the Jackets. 49% for the Hawks. The Hawks won for four on the power play. The Jackets 0 for 4. Uh, the Hawks out hit the Jackets in the game 32 to 23. Both teams had 14 blocks. The game Marincic stopping 30 of 33 in the game. 30 of 33 in the game. His save percentage of point 909 for the Blackhawks. Liner stopping 37 to 39. His save percentage a point 949. So the Jackets getting. At least a point at three points out of the possible four going into their game against the Islanders on Saturday night at Nationwide Arena. A big game, a divisional game, a metropolitan game that sees the Islanders coming into Nationwide Arena. And it all started with the Islanders from Brazil getting his fourth on the season on a wrist shot, beating the goaltender Jonas Corposalo. As it was one nothing in favor of the Islanders before Seth Jones getting his first goal of the season from Sonny Milano and Yonders Lilia tying the game at one apiece. But then not even three minutes later, Matt Delacole getting his first of the season from Bellevere and Nelson, making it 2-1 Islanders after 20 minutes of play. Boone Jenner getting his first of the season unassisted, a wrist shot beating the Islanders go into grass, and it was 2-2 after 20 minutes of play. No goals were traded in the third period. A great game. Both teams were competitive all the way through, but in, in the end, in overtime, Nelson getting in the overtime winner, his fourth of the season. It was a shot that was... How, how could I put it to you guys? The shot was great. It was stopped by Corpusalo. 
but he left out that juicy rebound, the Sergei Bobrovsky juicy rebound that he used to give out. He left it open for the guy, and he buries it. Nielsen, his fourth of the season from Lenny and Belivore, and the Islanders, a 3-2 win at Nationwide. The Jackets do pick up a point, but they don't get the extra one as the Islanders beat the Jackets by a score of 3-2. Grace was the number one star. Number two star was Seth Jones, and Nielsen was the number three star. The Jackets outshot the the. The uh, the Islanders in the game, 36-34. They let off in the faceoff dot, 30, 63% to 37%. The Jackets 0 for 1 on the power play. The Islanders 0 for on the power play. The Jackets did not commit a penalty in the game, which is an absolute shock by me. The Islanders 30 hits to 14 in favor of the Jackets. The Jackets had 9 blocks. The Islanders had 33 in the game, the Jackets, Jonas Corposala stopping 31 of 34. His save percentage of point nine one two. Grice stopping 34 of 36. His save percentage a 9.44. So the Jackets getting another point. So they got four points out of the possible six. Then we get to last night. Big game in Scotia Bank Arena in the heart of hockey country. In Toronto, Ontario, Canada. This was a huge game for the Jackets. The Leafs came in on opening night, beating the Jackets by a score of beating them handily in the game. Handily in the game. They returned the favor at Scotiabank Arena. Handily beating them. And it all started off with Riley Nash getting his first goal of the season from Nick Foligno. It was one nothing Jackets. And then Pierre-Luc Dubois, not even two minutes later, from Foligno and Atkinson, it's 2 nothing Jackets. Before Kapanen getting his second of the season from Mitch Marder and Jake Muzzin, it's 2-1 Jackets. And then, of course, you can never count out number 34, Austin Matthews. Lighting up the Jackets. He did it in opening night. He does it again. His eighth of the season from Johansson and Muzzin tied at two after 20 minutes of play. And they got the goal right before the intermission, which gave them the momentum. Because in the second period, it was a dogfight back and forth. We didn't get a goal until the end of the second period. When William Nylander getting his third of the season from Johansson and Matthews, it's 3-2 Leafs after 40 minutes of play. And then, by the way, like I, like, like I said before, the Riley Nash goal was a shorthanded goal. Dubois' goal was an even strength goal. And then Alexander Wenberg. Again, I call this kid again. His second of the season. He has now equaled his goals that he had last season, this season already. His second of the season at the 10.09 mark of the third period, tying the game at three on the power play. So the Jackets had a shorthanded goal, a power play goal, and an even strength goal. So we go to overtime. And 
as Adam Sandler says it best in the movie Big Daddy. A penalty shot was a call. A penalty shot is going to happen in overtime. It's something that you rarely see in in like over ten years. And Gustav Nyquist, the new jacket, gets the call on the game winner. Gustav Nyquist with a penalty shot in overtime. Gustav Nyquist with the winner in overtime, and the Blue Jackets take it four to three. So Gustav Nyquist, the game winner, beating Frederick Anderson on a penalty shot. Mitch Martyr caught grabbing the guy on a breakaway, and he got caught. And the Jackets get a four-three win in Scotiabank Arena and beat the Leafs. And now the series is tied at one game apiece in the overall regular season series. Nyquist, the number one star. Matthews, the number two star. Nick Foligno, the number three star. The Jackets out shooting the Leafs in the game 38-31. to The Leafs did were better on the faceoff at 66% to 34%. The Jackets one for five on the power play. The Leafs 0 for two. The Jackets were out hitting the game 26-15. to they had 18 blocks the Jackets had to the Leafs' 11 in the game. It was Jonas Corposala stopping 28 of 31. His save percentage of a point, 903. Anderson stopping 34 of 38. His save percentage, a point, 895. So the Jackets getting six out of the possible eight points. Helps their case out in the Metropolitan Division. They now have two days off. Before they get ready to take on the Carolina Hurricanes at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard on Thursday, 7 o'clock puck drop at Nationwide before they head to the city of brotherly love to take on the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, Looking at the rest of the NHL for you, news and notes from yesterday in the NHL games. It was the Golden Knights falling to the Philadelphia Flyers by a score of 6-2. The Blues getting a 3-1 win over the Colorado Avalanche, Ottawa gets a two, loses to the Stars by a score of 2-1. to one. Tonight on the docket, the Leafs will continue and try to get back on the winning page. They'll go into Boston to take on the Bruins that game at 7 o'clock. The Winnipeg Jets are at home to take on the L.A. Kings. The Vegas Golden Knights head into Chi-Town to take on the Chicago Blackhawks. Orcs at 8 o'clock. At 7 o'clock tonight, it will be the... San Jose Sharks traveling into Buffalo to take on the Sabres. Detroit is at home. They'll take on the Vancouver Canucks. It will be Anaheim and Nashville. Ottawa, excuse me, the Oilers will be in Minnesota to take on the Wild. Washington travels out to Calgary to battle the Flames. We have one fi- a couple finals from earlier this afternoon, this evening, excuse me. I mean, see that, that are going to be happening later on tonight. Uh, forgot to mention Pittsburgh is in Florida to take on the Panthers. The Coyotes will take on the Rangers. As you are listening to all in the offer tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. Let's take a look at the 
standings going into tonight's play. Washington is in first place in the Metropolitan Division with a record of 6-2-2 with 14 points. Carolina is in second place at 6-3-0 with 12 points. Pittsburgh 6-4-0 with 12 points. It is the fourth place New York Islanders at 5-3-0 with 10 points. The Jackets 4-3-2 with 10 points. The Flyers are 3-3-1 with 7 points. The Devils 2-4-2 with 6 points. And the Rangers are in last place in the Metropolitan Division with a record of 2-4-0 with 4 points. The Atlantic Division sees the Buffalo Stabers still running the ship right now at a record of 7-1-1 with 15 points. The Boston Bruins are 5-1-2 with 12 points. The Leafs are 5-3-2 with 12 points. In fourth spot is the Florida Panthers who are 4-2-3 with 11 points. Montreal is 4-3-2 with 10 points. Tampa Bay in sixth spot at 4-3-1 with 9 points. Detroit is 3-5-0 with 6 points. And the Ottawa Senators have not yet fully capable of winning a full game as they are 1-6-1 with 3 points. In the Western Conference of the Pacific Division, it is the Edmonton Oilers at 7-1-1 with 15 points. The Anaheim Ducks are 6-3-0 with 12 points. Vegas is 6-4-0 with 12 points as well. Calgary is 5-4-1 with 11 points. Vancouver is in 5th spot at 5-3-0 with 10 points. Arizona 4-2-1 with 9 points. San Jose is 3-5-0 with 6 points. And the Kings are 3-5-0 with 6 points as well. In the Central Division is the Colorado Avalanche at 7-1-1 with 15 points. St. Louis 4-2-3 with 11 points. Winnipeg 5-5-0 with 10 points overall. Fourth spot sees the Nashville Predators at 4-3-1 with 9 points. Dallas 3-7-1 with 7 points. The Hawks are 2-3-1 with 5 points. And the Minnesota Wild are 2-6-0 with 4 points. By the way, to pass it along for you tomorrow, the NBC game of the night will be Pittsburgh into Tampa Bay to take on the Lightning as you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now, I have to go back to it, of course, because it is time for the Fall Classic, and it's also time for the tip-off. So the Fall Classic begins tonight. Game 1 of the World Series sees the Washington Nationals with Max Scherzer, and Steven Strasburg and the Washington Nationals taking on Justin Verlander, Jose Altuve, George Springer, and the Houston Astros. Game one tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern on Fox. Joe Buck, of course, going to be go- doing the call on that one. They put a gun to my head. It will be Scherzer on the hill tonight versus Garrett Cole. Uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, the 23rd, another game. It'll be Steven Strasburg. His overall record this season, 18-6 with a 3.32 ERA. He'll take on Justin Verlander, who's 21-6 with a 2.58 ERA. Game 3, Friday night in the nation's capital, will be Zach Grinke on the hill for Houston. He's 18-5 with a 2.93 ERA. Washington has not yet named the starter for Game 3, and both teams have not yet named the starters for Game 4. So it is the Astros and the Nationals. 
A lot of former Tigers on this team. Scherzer, of course, like I mentioned before, with the the Nationals. Uh, Verlander, of course, with the with uh, with the uh, with the Ast- with the Astros, and then Scherzer with the Nationals. You also have Fernando Rodney, who's with the with the Nationals as well. Uh, Don Kelly. The former Mudhen and standout is a bench coach for the Astros as well. A lot of new, a lot of former, in, former Detroit Tigers in this game. Um, my prediction for this series: say Astros in five. Astros in five. I think the Nationals will win at least one game out of the series. I'm thinking more towards Game Three for the momentum swing. Uh, but I think Astros in five is the legitimate choice, I think, in my opinion. Just plain and simple to me. That's plain and simple for me. So we get into the Fall Classic, and also tonight, 8 o'clock tip-off on TNT as Ernie Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, and Kenny the Jet Smith all get back together for the NBA tip-off, two games on the docket tonight. Of course, Toronto lifting the banner. And they welcome in the New Orleans Pelicans, who don't have Zayad Williams. He's out six to eight weeks with an ankle injury. But the nightcap is the game I'm looking forward to, as it will be LeBron James and, the, and Anthony Davis and the new look L.A. Lakers taking on Kawhi Leonard and the L.A. Clippers. 10 o'clock tip-off. The Clippers are the home team in this game. And looking at this game, also have also remember they have Paul George as well in this as well too. I forgot to mention Paul George in this game as well. So it, it's going to be interesting. But he, but Paul George is out tonight for the game. Uh, he'll be out for the game tonight as well. Uh, so looking at the NBA slate going into this week, which is the start of the NBA season, this is what it looks like. The two games tonight, like I mentioned, New Orleans versus the Clippers. Now, New Orleans versus Toronto, and the Lakers versus the Clippers. The late game uh, tomorrow, a sl- full slate of games. The Bulls are in Charlotte to take on the Hornets. Detroit travels to Indianapolis to take on the Pacers. Cleveland heads to Orlando to take on the Magic. Boston goes into Philadelphia, 7.30 tip on ESPN. The Knicks go into San Antonio. Washington is in Dallas. Utah is at home against OKC. Memphis is in Miami. Denver is in Portland. And Sacramento is in Philadelphia. The TNT game Thursday look like this. It will be Milwaukee traveling to Houston. 8 o'clock tip-off. And the Clippers then head to Golden State for the first game in the new Chase Center. Regular season home opener for the Golden State Warriors. So, and the opening night for the Pistons is this upcoming Thursday as they welcome in the Atlanta Hawks. So my opinion on the on the Pistons and the Cavs are this. 
I think the Pistons are more likely to make a playoff spot than the Cavs will. True, the, that Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse will probably bring in a lot of pe- new people into the into the new spectrum of the Cavs. The Cavs are nothing. Pardon my language, but the Cavs are nothing. This is a team that is going to need a rebuild hard. A hard, hard, hard rebuild. For at least another year. They're another year off. Looking at their preseason schedule, they were they won, they only won one preseason game. And that was against a team that that they don't usually, you know, that was across the pond. So there's that for you. I I think it's going to be a long year for Cavs fans. For the Pistons, I think it's going to be interesting. I, I I'm going to be watching them with intense look. Uh, Derrick Rose is their new is their new piece that they added. Of course, uh, you you also have to have consideration that Blake Griffin has to be healthy for the full year. I think there is a legitimate chance that the Pistons could be either a five or a six seed this year in the Eastern Conference. I really do. I think that they have a strong enough case to do it. Um, I like Kennard. I like his play. I've liked him ever since he's come into the league. Um, you put him, you put the Pistons in together with Griffin and Rose. And if Rose can stay healthy, it's the key thing. The, if Rose can stay healthy for the season, and um, it'll be key. But the thing is, Griffin right now is out. For the game against Indiana this upcoming tomorrow night, uh, he is not traveling with the team. He will he is uh, continuing treatment for uh, for his left hamstring and uh, a posterior knee soreness, so he won't be in the lineup. He won't be in the lineup for the Pistons in their game, and it's going to be interesting to see how they do and i think that they uh, they are legitimately a 5 or 6 seed the amount of teams that they can get you know and how good the, the division is and the bulls will be okay the bucks the bucks are going to be the number 1 team in the division and then you have the bulls and the pistons pacers are going to be uh and the cavs are going to be down uh i don't make a prediction on the nba because i don't know that much about the nba as much I do like watching the games for opening week, and then if it's on, it's on. The only few times I watch the Cavs is when they play the Lakers or when they play, you know, they play Boston or Philadelphia because I like to see how they do against the elite teams in the East. I think it's Philadelphia's. Philadelphia could be the bright spot in the East. I think Milwaukee's there as well. Um. Boston's going to be interesting. I want to see how new how the Brooklyn Nets do this year with uh, Kyrie and, and Durant. I like to see that. A lot of new faces and new places for this season in the NBA. It's just going to be interesting. It'd be interesting to say the least. As you're listening to All NBL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you for tuning in. And now we hit the end of our program, and it's time for Andy Rants. So it's now time for Andy Rants, and first before we begin, if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? 
hit the subscribe button. We do a pot. We do podcasts every Tuesday, and yes, we will be doing a podcast this Friday. I know I've been like neglecting you guys here on Facebook Live and doing the show on Facebook Live for you guys. We'll be back for a Falcon Friday as we get you set up for the Western Michigan game at Western Michigan. By the way, that is a noon kickoff on ESPN three. So. Looking forward to that, and um, got a couple news newsworthy notes to pass along to you. Um, we are bringing it back, my friends. Andy and Money is coming back. We just got word before we do the pot. We did the podcast this evening that uh, Nick the Money Man Devera is going to be doing some is is available for some time. We're going to be doing. Andy and Money, again, of course, we're going to still stay with all Andy Elford, the regular podcast, because we have the contract with Anchor. But uh, you're going to have a new home as well to listen to Andy and Money and a fresh take on the show as well. Uh, we're looking to do the show maybe every when every Wednesday or Thursday. Um, uh, every other Wednesday or Thursday to do the podcast so we get a fresh take on the week in the NFL, as well as on the college football spectrum as well. And we'll also have a new voice in for hockey because he is the Chicago beat writer, as well as when baseball season starts, we'll have him come in as well, and we'll talk baseball as well. So looking forward to the relationship again with uh, Nick DeVera. Nick, a good friend of the podcast, as well as a good friend. Uh, He's my cousin, of course, and he's a baseball writer as well, too. Uh, so check out his stuff. He had wrote a great piece about Chicago WGN, uh, fantastic piece on the Tumblr page. We'll, we'll link that on 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 the Facebook page, as well as on this podcast page, so you can take a look at. So I'm looking forward to that, of course. And also got to make mention of this. Like I said, we'll be back on Friday for a Falcon Friday edition of the podcast. We'll be back doing the show live on Friday from the studios. Here and uh, we're looking to get a piece of equipment, not really a piece of equipment, but a uh, piece of apparel that I'll be wearing this upcoming Friday. So stick tuned to that. So it's time for Andy Rants. So the last couple of days I've had a uh, vacation and I got a chance to go up to my favorite city in Michigan. It's uh, Frankenwood, Michigan, and uh, it's a I got a chance to stay at the uh, Bavarian Inn Lodge, and it didn't go as what I figured it was going to go. But uh, if you've ever been to Frankenwood, Michigan, it's absolutely a beautiful town. It's a piece of little Bavaria that that takes you away from your everyday life and welcomes you into a German community that's absolutely gorgeous. With beautiful architecture, beautiful murals, beautiful paintings. A small town atmosphere that you would absolutely love and adore. And great food, great hospitality, great people that, you know, can be, in some aspects, good. Um, I've gone up to Frankenmuth so many times. We've taken the show so many times to Frankenmuth and done the show from there. Um, absolutely great, great time to go up. And then enjoy it. Well, this trip for us was not the best trip I've ever had. It was honestly the worst. 
Got a chance to go up there on Monday afternoon. Drove up there. The weather was okay. Didn't rain as much. I mean, it didn't rain as much as, as I thought it was going to rain. Uh, we go into Birch Run, which is home of the uh, the outlet mall, premium outlet mall, which has got like different stores and stuff like that, which is great to have. Great to have, like a Nike outlet. There's a Coleman outlet. There's an Old Navy outlet, as well as like there's this place called Campus Den that's got a lot of Michigan, Ohio State, and a lot of the Detroit sports stuff as well. Um, so we get into town around four o'clock and the check-in for the hotel is around three thirty. So we were a half hour late to check into the hotel, which is absolutely fine by us, which is okay with us. So we get into down we get into the hotel, and as I'm walking into checking into the hotel, uh I notice that the gift shop that's in the lobby of the area, the room is dark. I'm saying to myself, hmm. Maybe the store's closed. Maybe they just walked out and, you know, they're on lunch break or anything like that. So I walk into the lobby of the hotel and it's absolutely dark. Like the lights are out. The lights are completely out. So I figured, you know, maybe their their generator will come back on and, you know, they'll they'll we'll have everything back in order. So we waited and we went driving through downtown again. Now, before we drew it through downtown, all the lights were on. Everything was working perfectly fine. And it was, you know, it was okay. It wasn't raining, but it was a little misting. Um, On our second drive through downtown, we noticed that a lot of the lights were out at, like, the Bavarian Inn restaurant, the Cheese House that they have, uh, this this, uh, store called Frank's Mooth. Um, The right side of of the town... Where all the Bavarian Inn and the leather shop and the River Place and all the other shops, the lights were out. On the left side, where Zender's Restaurant is located at, and the tap, the the uh, the Fudge Kitchen and the Kite Store and the Wool Shop and all the other places, they're pretty much lit and well lit as well. And you get up to the top of the hill in Frankenmuth, and the power is still going great. You've got the brewery that's open. You've got, you've got uh, Fenton's shop, Willie's Sausage as well, all these all great shops, the power's working there, so we go back to the hotel, the lights are still out, and so I I go up to the front desk, they're still checking people in, they check it, check people in, like, with a paper, through the paperwork, as I'm checking, they check me in, they give me the room number of 1425. And I'm saying to myself, hmm, 1425, that sounds like a good number. It's going to be on the first floor. So they had to personally walk us from the lobby to our room. Our room was located on the fourth floor. Now, the power is out. The only way to get to the room was to climb stairs. Now, my fiancé soon to be the wife, Mrs. Alfred, uh, has tendonitis of the Achilles. Unfortunately, had to walk the four flights of stairs. And she was out of breath a couple times that we went out. And it was, it was very interesting. So she had, she had to walk up the stairs. 
And to be honest, it was absolutely ridiculous that they would give me a fourth floor room when they knew that the power was out. And so, we stuck around. We went into the room. I went back down, picked the car up, walked back up with the bags, up the four flights of stairs to the room, and let the girl, let the fiancé shower and get ready for dinner. Well, we had reservations at the restaurant, the Bavarian Inn restaurant. Well, with the restaurant dark and closed, we had to look up for a second option. And, of course, the second option is right across the street, which is Zender's Restaurant. And they were so accommodating. They were so nice. Uh, Justin was our waiter. He did a fantastic job bringing, so much, bringing the food to us at a prompt level. And um, he, uh, he kept us informed of if the lights were going to be on or not. So as he was walking, as he, was, he brought the check, he said, uh, I got the good news for you. The lights are coming back on here in, in the next hour. And I said, oh, thank God. You know, we can go, go back to the room and we can get the lights and everything like that. So that would be fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So we get back to the hotel and the fact that the fact that we get to the hotel, we see that the front of the hotel is lit. And I'm like, "Oh, wow. We can go up to the front counter and get our keys and everything like that." We walk in. I I we drive up and here is a generator. A generator that they got to power the courtyard for the banquet that they were hosting that night. And I asked if there was going to, if they have a generator for the regular guest. And they said, oh, the lights will be coming on as soon as possible. So we had to walk back to our room. We had somebody that walked us back to our room again, clocked us back in. Couldn't put our phones on the charger. The phone, the phones were being used for flashlights and everything like that. And so, for the first time in a long time, we went to bed at like 9 o'clock together. 9.30 actually. We left the light on just as when the power came back on, we would know that the power's back on. So, I was woken up at, at 1 o'clock this morning to the bathroom lights being on. And it was... It was a blessing to have the lights back on. And you take a, you take electricity for granted. But I told, I woke up the fiance. I said, I said, Amanda, uh, lights are back on. She looked over and she saw the light back on. She's like, she didn't say okay. She said, grab my phone charger. <laughs> and we did that and we put our char- phones back on the charger, and we charged our phones up and we went back to bed. We woke up this morning at nine thirty. Um, well. I woke up at 8 and got a shower and got ready for the day. Amanda woke up around 9 o'clock. And she got ready as well, too. And um, uh, we uh, we went down to the front lobby. And uh, they they told us that they they lowered our room rate. They cut, gave our room. They lowered it to 50% off because of the inconvenience of the power thing. I think, in my personal opinion, I think it should have been a free night stay. Because the inconvenience of we couldn't use the pools because of the lights. We couldn't use the game room that they had there, the miniature golf course. We lost a lot of time to charge our phones, to access the internet, 
to watch television and enjoy a nice evening away from the getaways of the world. And um, I think personally it should be, we should have the room comped. But uh, 50% at the time is okay, but when the survey comes and they ask me my questions, I'm probably going to give them a bad review on it. Because the second thing was we went back down to the game room this morning after we checked out. And we were playing. We were planning on playing some arcade games, which they have a huge arcade room in the, in the Bavarian Inn, which is fantastic if you have kids, um, including yours truly, who's a big kid at heart, yours truly. And I love I love seeing that. But I, as I was putting my game card in that I've had before, and I swiped my card, my bank card, it read an error code, and I'm like. Okay, and so I had to go to the attendant. Her name is Shannon. I didn't get a last name on it, but she she got my card out, and she said, well, I don't think it went through. Uh, if it did go through, just bring it up to the counter, and then we'll check, and we'll we'll load the card in. So I, I had to double check. So I go to my phone, and I have my I pull up my Huntington app, because I bank with Huntington, pulled it up, pulled up my statement, and there it was. They took $10 out, but they didn't give me the credits. So again, the Bavarian is sticking to me twice on this trip. But the third time was this. I'm a member of the Perks Club, which is a paid subscription that you're a part of. And every $200 that you spend, you get a $20 gift certificate, which is fantastic to have. So I've passed the $200 mark, of course, a couple times. And so I have a $20 gift certificate that I can use that I can use on my card. Well, I was going to use that today for our luncheon at the Bavarian Inn restaurant to make up for what we lost the night before. So as I go to swipe my card, as I go to swipe my card, they don't have a 20% on my thing. But on my Perks Club website, it do. So instead of $20 off my dinner, which would have cost me $59, Instead of, instead of being at $39, it cost me $59 and then plus tap and tax and tip. So that's three strikes to the Bavarian Inn. And unfortunately, yeah, I, I have to say it, but you know, unless you give me, unless you give me, uh, you improve on this, I, I, I'm really tempted just to not go back to the Bavarian Inn. And go to either Zenders or go to the Fairfield up the block. Go to Spring Hill or hell, even go out to Birch Run. So I say this. This was the worst trip I've ever had in Frankenmuth history. And this is the first ever time that I had to sleep in the dark. And I will never forget the eeriness with it being this time of year. With it being Halloween and stuff like that. So my rant is this. If you're a major hotel chain like that. That's got over a thousand rooms, and you don't have a generator. Come on, it's the twenty-first century. Gotta get, gotta get with it, folks. Gotta get with it. So that's my rant about this past week of the trips. Another rant. I don't know if you've been hearing any as I was doing this podcast this evening, but uh, we do this podcast. I do it here in my office in my room. And outside, as we got to the end of this podcast tonight, uh, some neighbors are shooting off fireworks. Play the game fireworks or gunshots here in the city of Toledo. 
This is fireworks. The 4th of July has passed and gone. Stop shooting off fireworks. You're not the mud hens and you're not the downtown fireworks. Stop it. Stop it now. Plain and simple. And that's going to wrap it up for all Andy Elford tonight right here on the Anchor Network. We'll be back on Friday for a true edition of all Andy Elford right here on the Anchor Network. So until then, this is Andy Elford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams, go Jackets! Go Walleye and go Clones. By the way, the Walleye getting a big win in Fort Wayne. Good for them. The Clones getting a win too. And then they lose against Kalamazoo. So go, go Walleye and go Clones. And go Lions! And here we go, Brownies! Here we go! Woof, woof! As they get ready for New England after this week's bye. Go Buckeyes! And go Falcons! And go Pistons! Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys live on Friday's edition of All in the Elf the Facebook Live Falcon Friday edition right here on the Anchor Network. And I love you guys. Talk to you then. Follow Andy on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred. And on Facebook.com slash AllAndyAlfred. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alfred Network, powered by Anchor.